The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you join us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. That's how we talk about peace here. That's, that's what peace means to us on the show. And can you even imagine living a life of wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality, peace every day? Oh my goodness, how amazing would that feel? Well, I'm here to tell you that yes, it's possible. Yes, you deserve it. And yes, you can have it. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And so our guest today is no exception. She is fabulous, absolutely dear to my heart. We have Jennifer Perry, who is the owner of Lone Wolf Communications LLC, an entertainment publicity firm based in Atlanta, Georgia. Perry wrote, Sell Your Books Today, a DIY promotion guide for authors. And she leads high-powered coaching groups for authors to learn to do, their, to do their own publicity like a professional. Can you imagine doing that for yourself? She helps you do that. Perry began working with the media in the 90s while producing and hosting a cable television show in Atlanta. She was also hired as a guest host and interviewer on many other shows. She earned her BA in journalism publications from Georgia State University, which included a semester in Madrid. And if that's not enough, Jennifer Perry is a stand-up comic, jazz singer, and she still works in Georgia's thriving TV and film business. Jennifer Perry is also producer and host of the popular and long-running podcast, Madam Perry Salon. Jennifer Perry, welcome to Everyday Peace. I am delighted to be here. Thank you so very much, and thank you for that fantastic introduction. Oh my gosh, thank you for being here. You are such, you know, last week I had a renaissance man. Now you are my renaissance woman. <laughs> you just are doing, you, you are really a creative mind and a warm spirit. And there is so much that we're going to talk about today. But before we get into um, our main topic, which is sell your books like a, like a pro. And, and I wanted to say one thing. It's one thing to write a book. And mm-hmm. when we write it, you know, it's, it's, that's, that is so great. I encourage everybody. Everybody, they say, has at least one book in them. And I know that's true. So it's wonderful. Get that energy going. Write your story, whatever it is you want to write. But then once it's pen to paper and you get that copy in your hand, you want to go to the next level. You really want that book to be picked up by somewhere and sold to somebody and 
there is all this mass confusion on just how do you do that? So I'm so happy to have you on the show to demystify that for people because guess what? It's the end of the year and people are sitting there and they're thinking, you know, they may have some goals, some end of year goals or some beginning of year goals. And I know for a lot of people who are creative minds, writing a book is one of their top goals. So I'm so glad to have you here. But before we get into all that, tell us about you. Start from wherever you want to start from, but I'm so interested in how you became this you know, jazz singer, uh, stand-up comic, <laughs> uh, working in, in the television industry, in the film industry, and just, oh, you're fascinating. How did you get started with all this? Wow. Well, well, yeah, I guess it's, uh, um, I, I, can you tell that I was born in Atlanta? Do I have a little bit of an accent? <laughs> Sweet, sweet Georgia accent. <laughs> you thought I was from New York, didn't you? <laughs> well, is, you're busy like a New Yorker. I do what now? I said you're busy like a New Yorker. You got a lot of stuff stuff going on here. No kidding. That's that's a uh, yeah. You're right. Uh, busy like a New Yorker. You know, I, I uh, like my New York girlfriend. So I guess that's where I picked that up from. No, actually, I was the shyest kid in the world. Um, always very shy. I was very bashful. And then once, um, I, I, I won't say which birthday it was, but it was on a birthday that I had this car accident. And I remember being laid up and thinking, if this was it, if this I had bought the farm, what would my obituary say? You know, that I was just a, a customer service rep or this or that or whatever. I thought I would never had done all the things I wanted to do that I was just afraid to try. And, you know, there's, people always say, oh, well, aren't you afraid of this, afraid of that? Yeah, but you know what? There's one thing more terrifying than trying to do something, and that is being, I mean, being the person, and I could picture this, I always picture myself being the woman in the old folks' home going around going, well, you know, I could have been a big band singer or I could have been a writer. That's not the worst part. The worst part is the other old bats and they're going, there she goes again. Hey, why don't we all pull our drugs tonight and get rid of her? You know, <laughs> let's grab out her wheelchair and push her down the hill. We don't want to hear that story again about I could have, should have, would have been. So the only way you can fix that is to start it. So to get over my shyness, I took a course in stand-up comedy. And this is a girl that never could hardly answer the role in class without just having a you know nervous breakdown. And so I did that. I got involved with public access television and then did my show. And then I just um, started talking to a few musicians. Fortunately, my husband's a guitar player, but he traveled a lot, so I had to have some other musicians. But doing the stand-up comedy, if you can do that, it's like Jerry Seinfeld said, you're naked. You got no backup band, no other actors to work off of. It's just you. And if you can do that, and I thought, well, if I, you know, if I get through that, I don't want to be the singer that you see sometimes uh, when you go to a club and they go, well, the guitarist broke a string. Um, when they get through fixing it, uh, we'll do another song. You know, I don't want to do that. I wanted to be able to work the crowd like a like a comic would, so that they wouldn't notice they were having to wait for something. So you could talk to people. Um, and see where are people from, you know, and have fun with folks. So, yeah, that was a big boost. And doing the TV show 
I was doing my own publicity, and I really enjoyed it. And then I thought, well, maybe I should just uh, – some people just don't – you know, wanted a degree. So I went to school at Georgia State, a little bit older than the other kids in my class. Uh, but I had a little gang accept me, so that was cool. And uh, <laughs> like a little college gang, right? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was fun. And then later on, I worked uh, – I did pretty much everything anybody would pay me for. I would grab it and do it. And uh, so sometimes I would, if it was out of town, you know, I would grab my best friend, Kenya, who's, you know, what people talk about a ride or die buddy, that's her. And we would go places and handle stuff. And then another agency hired me to work for them on a contract basis, working on uh, publicizing premieres for HBO documentary films when they would have a premiere in different cities. And then um, also with things like Feld Entertainment, I did the Hispanic media for the, uh, what's it called, High School Musical on Ice in Atlanta. And just things like that. Some other film or TV, you know, and she had access. uh, This woman was fantastic. She had access to people like um, Mel Gibson's Private Chef, who wrote a book called The Private Chef, and I worked on that. So, yeah, you just got to get out there where you're supposed to be doing, put forth some effort, and then you're going to meet the the fun people, the right well, people what I that hear, need you. I hear a lot in that, Jennifer, is a lot of courage, because to go from being the girl who was too shy to even call her name out and roll and then say, oh, my goodness, I want to work on my shyness. I think I'll take a stand-up comedy <laughs> class, <laughs> you know, workshop. I mean, most people will say, oh, you know, I'll, do a pub, I'll do a public speaking workshop. And, but, I mean, because comedy, it, you're right, comedy is really, really challenging. And that's not an easy thing to do. And, uh, I mean, even, even if you're acting with a lot of, you know, I'm an actress I'm on the stage with a lot of other people. But when you're a stand-up comic... And you're there, and it's just you in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And you know, <laughs> you're right. You're naked before this audience, and you're. So I think that was a lot of courage and a lot of faith. And inside of you, obviously, it had to be a roaring lion to pick uh, stand-up comedy, going from being <laughs> so shy. Because I, I don't know if that's where I would have gone. But I wanted to just back up one second and talk about this. Uh, what would it say on your obituary? You know, we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot, but it's been a while since I've since I've actually heard that phrase. And what I think about when I hear people say that is a dream deferred. And I love how you use that uh, example about being in a nursing home and walking around telling everybody, you know, I could have been, I could have been. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could but, just see a bunch of other old bats throwing their jello at me, you know, or something. So. <laughs> Jennifer, sit down. <laughs> But I mean, but it's so true because I bet you, you know, we have a number of listeners right now who are probably thinking to themselves, you know, is you may be doing some wonderful, wonderfully work for the universe. I mean, just something that is so important. But is it the thing that you would want if it was your last breath? And I love how you say that. On my obituary, is this what I want to say that I did? It could be very honorable. But if it didn't light you on fire, if it didn't and get you jazzed, then what's really serving you is not being put forth. 
because when you serve, mm-hmm. your, you meet your higher self. You really do your best work. So I, I love that, you know, and the idea of you didn't let your dream be deferred. You said, hey, and the one other thing I don't miss here is that you said you were older when you went back to school. Now, how many people use that excuse right there? They say, you know what? I'm too old. I'm too mm-hmm. old to do this. I'm too old to do that. You know, my mom used to always say, well, you're still going to be that same age whether you do it or not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The very same. <laughs> yeah, I was the one that when I was in class, if I was the first day of class, everybody would come in and go, oh, are you the teacher? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I could teach you a thing or two. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that would have been the right answer. <laughs> right, right. And so that that's wonderful. I mean, I hear a lot of courage in your story, and I'm always interested in where courage comes from. But you shared something in the very, very beginning, which you kind of just flew by because it's probably so much a very part of your, your personality. But a lot of times when I talk to people, including people I interview on this show, I'll hear something about some unfortunate thing that happened. And for you, this is car accident. Right, that kind of the universe mm-hmm. shifted a little bit and slipped a little bit, and you had this car accident, and it caused it kind of like shook you awake. Like you may have been like in this sort of like fog, just going along, doing your life, doing what made sense. It wasn't horrible, but you know, right. obviously you were doing some good for other people, and somebody else in the universe was benefiting, and you were doing pretty good. But that car accident, that shift in the universe, got your attention. And you were able to say, huh, if this were my last day, do I want to be known as the woman who mm-hmm. settled? Isn't oh, that yeah. something? Oh, right? yeah. That's, that's, a hu- that's a huge thing because in the settling, in the settling of things, right, there is mm-hmm. comfort right? because it is like, what do they say? The devil you know versus the devil that you don't know, mm-hmm. right? So when you settle mm-hmm. for something like, oh, I've been doing this for so long, I don't love it. In fact, it may be a little annoying, but I know that it, I can do it. I know that it provides this income or provides this for my life. But on mm-hmm. the other side of that, when the universe slipped a little bit and caused that car accident, you had a decision to make. Hmm. You, do you remember that yeah. day? Like, how, What was it deciding? How did you make that decision? Like, you know what? Forget it. I'm, you know, is it a dollar in or, you know, or a penny in? I'm one whole dollar. Yeah, yeah. It was just that, just laying there and just thinking if, if it had turned out a different way, you know, the same thing. How do I want my obit to read? And, um, yeah, and a couple of other things happened along with it. And I just thought, okay, all right, this is. This is all happening. I've got to find the right ending to it. You know, sometimes uh, I've told people that when I used to um, write sketches for a performance art group that I was in, and I would just say, look, to my, it was our little crew, and I'd say, this is your character. This is what your character's like. This is going to be the beginning, the middle, and the end. You figure out how to get to it when we're on the show. Okay, and then I found out later that's how Andy Warhol wrote his films. You know, you know your character, you know the beginning, middle, and end, and it's up to you to get there. And then I thought I started applying that to other situations in my life. Like one day I had a, um, I had a gig. It's about an hour, probably more than an hour away from my house, and 
So the first time ever, my guitar player forgot his guitar. So it was just me and the bass player. We have like a real small ensemble, just me and him together. And we knew we were going to have to start soon before the guy gets back to the guitar, which was actually my husband. And so I thought, okay, we're going to have to. I told him, I said, listen, we're going to have to write the end of this story. Now, we could, if we don't start on time, you know, we look bad and we don't get paid. But if we start on time and we say, hmm, let's do something really cool and jazzy, like just voice and a stand-up bass and make it cool. You know, like something from the 50s. Oh, yes. I love it. I can see it in my mind right now. And the end of the story will be us going, hey, who knew it would be so cool? Who knew it would work so well? That's the end of the story, and we've got to work to it. So we came up with a few little songs, you know, that we thought would do a couple of things like some Julie London stuff or some uh, one or two Dinah Washington things, and said, now let's do this, and you just lay back a cool, deep, swampy bass, okay? <laughs> and he did, and it was just like, yeah, so that's the thing. You know, sometimes we forget that, we have the opportunity to to create the happy ending on something and then make it happen. Oh, I, love I love that. Sometimes we forget that we have the opportunity to make the happy ending on something. And it is what we say it is, right? So that's right. so very important because, and that, you know, I wrote a book, Freedom is Your Birthright, and this is what it talks about exactly what you just said. The guitar player forgot his guitar. Wouldn't have picked that. We would not have picked that to happen, but it happened. And so now we have, we're free to make a choice. We can call the thing off or we can go up late or we can say, you know what? This is going to give me an opportunity to try out this new sultry. <laughs> you know, and that's what you did. You, either way, either way, it would have worked out to be whatever you chose it to be. You chose it to be successful no matter what. And that's what you got. You yeah, got success because, because you, you said, bad. You know, we couldn't look bad. I couldn't let no. <laughs> you know, yeah, because we're getting paid for this show. <laughs> we're getting paid. And you know, it's like a musician told me back when I was doing the TV show, he says, when your name is part of the band name, you take the fame or the blame no matter what. <laughs> so, oh, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, right. When your name is on the marquee, that's absolutely true. No matter what happens up there, you own it. Yeah. If nobody, nobody's going to say, well, you know, she, was good. she probably would have been better if that drummer had been, you know, had better time or whatever uh, or something. That nobody's going to say they're going to go, oh, yeah, I saw her. Mm, mm, something's off. Right. You know, but they, because your name, that's it, you know, so, yeah. So does the singing come before the writing? Were you a singer first before writing? I I was writing scripts, um, you know, the little script outlines for um, for my performance art group. We were called Hysteric Glamour, and uh, then began singing after that because I really didn't have the hadn't quite got the nerve to actually sing yet. And then, now how did you know you could sing? Had you sing somewhere else? Pardon me. So how did you know you could sing? Had you Thing somewhere else before? Or? Well, you know, I don't always sing in church and stuff. Okay. Church and okay, high school gotcha. chorus is where I learned it. But then one day I was just singing something I'd heard on uh, an old movie, singing it in the kitchen, and my husband comes and goes, What are you singing? Well, listen, he 
gets his guitar, brings it in and goes, okay, let's work on this. <laughs> okay, I'm just cooking dinner, you know. <laughs> and then that kind of kept on. We played around. And the next thing you know, I was trying to find uh, musicians. So, yeah. And oh, that's I guess beautiful. that's what they call happening organically. Yeah, that's what it is happening organically from from an unforced place. But then again, here is here is this freedom of choice, right? Because you could have been like, "Oh, uh, I'm much too shy to get up before an audience and sing," especially as the solo, not part of a, a choir, but just me as a featured person. But you you were able to overcome that and say, "Hey, I'm willing to take." take this shot. And one thing I've always told people is never to take yourself too seriously. You know, be willing to put your toe in the water. You never know what's going to happen. And something wonderful happened in your in your case. You got to experience mm. all of these amazing things and then becomes this amazing giver of life to creativity, which is phenomenal. To be able to have mm. the spirit of being able to go back and to give and to re-energize other people with your craft. So how did you get to the point where, you know, I'm going to write a book and that book is going to be about, I know you've written many books, but the book is going to be about selling, how to sell your book. Why was that a passion for you to do something like that? Oh, that's brilliant. You know, you and I both see, because I know if I see it, you see it too. So many people, there are so many people now who have the ability to write, get their work out. You know, it's like I saw um like an article in the New York Times said that, you know, because of social media and people being able to put out their own music and publish their books, it takes the power from the big fat cats that used to rule the entertainment biz and puts it in the hands of regular people where it belongs. And so people can do that. And But the thing is, you see so many people write books, and they're beautiful, and they're well done, and they work hard on them. And as soon as the book is out, uh, they just seem to slip beneath the waves with barely a murmur and mm. they're gone like they like they just threw them into the ocean and i thought you know so many people think and i blame this a lot on um tv and film because you see this on television and i despise it that there's a character in there and they decide oh i'm going to start writing something and next thing you know an episode later, they've got a they've got a publisher, they've got an agent, they've got their first book signing, and there's lines around the block, and you know people think that's the way it happens, and I have to tell them, no, just because you wrote a book or published it, you don't go sit behind a table, and people are going to line up. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's not right. that way. Yeah, and it's not their fault. They did. They just don't. It's just something they don't know. They just see this. How this is how other people. I see other people write books and sit down and get people to buy. It. Why, why didn't it work for me? And uh, I said, okay, you can get people, but you got to work for them, and you cannot just sit behind a chair looking angrier and angry that nobody's lined up. <laughs> and so right. I thought, you know, some people who don't know or they don't know how to do it. They don't realize they've got to start promoting it at least three months before it's published, or they don't know that there are certain times they should or shouldn't do it. Um, and I just, it just, I just hurts, my, hurts me to see people work so hard and then not be able to do anything with it. So I thought I would just take some of the tips that I've learned um, and put it down in a step-by-step for people. And just a DIY guide, I say it gives you some tips from a seasoned pro, 
uh, some strategies, some tactics, and a little bit of voodoo in there. And But you can make it happen. Yeah, because I think a lot of times what I hear people saying it's with books and a number of other things, too. I know you're working with writing a book about for people in the music industry as well. And mm-hmm. creative minds create, right? They, that's what they do. That's where their passion is. That's where they're really fueled. But sometimes they lose steam because no one's really taught them the business behind the creation, which is the the uh, the marketing, how, how to do the publicity for your book, for your music. Even as an actress, you know, you, you do some work, but you there's just some other stuff you have to do to get yourself seen and get in front of the right people and all of that kind of stuff. And for a lot of creatives, that is the difficult part. They really think, well, I'll hire somebody and they'll do all that. And they realize that hiring somebody is a lot of money. Right? And <laughs> You kind of, if you're, you know, at the beginning phases of getting your thing together, you don't really have the kind of money to to fuel that part, and that's where you, we lose a lot of great artists, and we lose uh, access to their work because it never gets out there because they don't know what to do to make their work become something that you or I could hear about. And the thing that's most fascinating now is that we have so many. Um, outlets. We have so much we could do with social media. There's so many other ways now that didn't exist, I don't know, some years ago when you, if you didn't have a, a publicist, even if you self-published, you kind of didn't know what to do after that. You got nice, pretty books and, you know, your family bought a couple cases of books and what have you. And then you're like, okay, oh, 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 you know, give away the holidays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If right. you're lucky, you got that at least. Right, right. If you're lucky, right? Because um, I, I think I saw something. I thought that I you posted. It was so wonderful on Instagram. How to support you? How to support your family members or friends without spending money? And I think it's so awesome because not everybody's going to be able to buy a case of books from you or what have you. You know, the grandparents do and all that kind of stuff. So you really have got to know or have someone like you be willing to teach you how to go about doing the. Uh, publicity for your for your for your books and when we come back after the break we'll talk a little bit about about that but i want to just um say before we take our break to stay tuned everyone so we can get some wonderful tips to you that will work not only for publishing your book for publishing other things as well maybe you're in the music industry or maybe you're an actress some more with jennifer perry right after the break Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. We're back with special guest Jennifer Perry and of course this is the Everyday Peace show with Dr. Drayvon James and peace we're talking about being able to create the life of your dreams and I know I know that for so many people the life of their dreams does include them writing their book publishing their book selling their book and 
It's a lot to discipline yourself to sit down and write a book. Kudos to everyone who has that discipline to do that. You're already a star from being able to do that because everybody tells you that they're going to write a book. But then you ask, well, how far on you? They got the outline in their head. And once you put pen to paper and you really have a product, I, I think that's fabulous. But going the extra mile, and I said in the, in the publicity for this for our show today, I said, you know, you want to go from author to best-selling author. Of course we do. Who doesn't want that, right? Because you have something valuable that you've written, something that could speak to the lives of other people, could cause them to have some tremendous breakthrough in their own life. And, you know, no one lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. You want to put it on the hilltop so people can see it and hear about it and have their lives touched by it. And the know-how to do that escapes a lot of people. But today, Jennifer Perry is with us and she's written this book, Sell Your Books Today. Not only has she written that book, but she leads high-powered coaches for writers so writers can learn how to publicize their book like a pro. That's a big deal because once you've got a product, you want to sell it. And if people get discouraged in this, in, this, uh, in this place, don't you find that, Jennifer, when they don't know what to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they get, this, yeah, they um, get discouraged, and, and, it, and the book kind of just falls by the wayside. Oh, it does. It does. It's like you dropped it on the street, and it fell through the grates to the gutter, and there it went. You know, it's like that's it. And it's, yeah. they just, um, like I said, I, I, you know, I blamed it on the, on the TV scenario I mentioned earlier. But still, you know, people, you, you think about it. Think about how many other books you see that – don't really go anywhere. And but so that's why I put the book together and that's why I've begun doing my uh, uh DIY book promotion mastermind groups or coaching group. Um I did my first I had finished with my first group. We it was just four people and we met once a week by phone for about eight weeks and what they have learned to do and do for themselves even I'm amazed watching them. Just uh People coming from out of nowhere with stuff. I mean, just just really elevating their status, getting their books into bigger uh, venues, and uh, it, it it thrills me. You can't help but be excited, like a proud, you know, parent or something. Um, you know, like I was saying, sometimes people don't know how to start. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I know it's hard because you don't want to give away the farm because we really do want people yeah, to come yeah. in and, and be part of the coaching thing. But if you had to say the number one thing, like let's say like something small that people miss out. And I and I get it because we, we watch a lot of television or, you know, you get on social media and it looks like we see so many overnight successes. I tell you, there is never an overnight success. People have been working behind the scenes. You never know it. And all of a sudden you hear about them. You're like, oh, well, they came up out of nowhere. They were working. They're not like a mushroom growing in the dark. They were really working behind the scenes and getting things together. And before it comes to our eyes, but what is, what would you say something that's like kind of a no brainer that people always gloss over in your mind? Like, yeah, I don't know. Some small things like, Oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot. All right. Two words, plan ahead. The three words, mm. plan way ahead. Um, you know, the big publishers, the big ones, the, the Random House, Simon Schuster, um, all the big groups, they have a publicity budget, but 
the last 10 or 15 years, things changed a lot in publishing. So their big publicity budget is going to go on all of their authors that don't need publicity. Mm, isn't that something? That's the way it is. So if it's the one you say, oh, it's the Grishams, Pattersons, um, you know, those kind of people, um, the people with the big followings and, and always on the bestseller list, that's who gets it. You know, um, I mean, I dare say Michelle Obama could have come out with no publicity and everyone would have that bought the book would have bought it. I would. You know, they put it on the people who don't need it. And now people that do, the other authors, they have to get their own. Now, the in-house publicist will help their publicist and will work with them. But still, it's, up, it's, it's incumbent upon the author to get their own. Now, plan ahead. You know, I mean, it's like if you want to get reviewed, um, pick up any magazine where you see a book reviewed. It's always a book that you maybe haven't heard of yet. So that means that you've got to get your book to whatever magazine at least three months ahead because they've got to have time to assign it to someone to read, give that person time to put the review in, get it back to the editor, get it all, you know, dolled up and, and edited, and then be ready for the magazine. Um, you know, people used to online things are fast, but if you want it to print, but the print magazines will take a little longer. So um, if you want it, plan ahead. If it's going to be a Christmas book, you better have all this stuff in place by June um, right. if it's for that Christmas and plan ahead because nobody, you know, people are working ahead. You can get an editorial calendar from um, any media outlet and they'll say, let you know what's going to be featured each month, what they're looking for. But still, if you want to, whatever you want to be in, there will always be submission guidelines you can find online. They'll tell you exactly what to do, when to do it, but they're serious about their deadlines because uh, if, if you get your book to them after it's published, to them it's like stale, you know, like stale donuts. You know, nobody wants them. So it's like, oh, yeah, 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 people know about that. Give us something new and fresh. So you've got to plan ahead. Now, you've also got to be, I believe in being, you've got to know how to use social social media without it being all me, me, me. And you've also got to get out and do your own legwork. I have one woman come to me with a book, and she self-published it, and it was a good book. But she's getting ready to start on this around Thanksgiving or November, and I said, okay, you realize you're putting this book out before Christmas and you should have started back in June, you know, but she was so sincere and worked so hard. And I said, if you'll work with me, we can do it. And we hustled, we called it the wildly unconventional tour. We hustled that thing. We put her in restaurants, bars, wellness centers, not just bookstores, art galleries, coffee shops. Um, If I put her in a coffee shop, if I put her in a bar, like a wine bar, I would put out a press release that said, sit back, kick off your shoes, order a couple of margaritas, de-stress, and mark several names off your guest list because she was also going to gift wrap them as soon as you bought it. And, oh. uh, so you've got to put it out to how it will, yeah, how it will work for people like that. Um, and she did, and God love her, she did. And she was a very shy person too, but she never sat behind the table because I said, don't sit down back there. But she had, we had made her some bookmarks, and what she would do was anytime I got, and I, 
got her into Barnes and Noble because you can get independent books in, in there if you know the right system and you know how to do it. But um, but she would stand at the door, and the first thing she would do is look at people when they came in and said, "Hi, would you like a bookmark?" and hand it to them and smile. And people would say, "Oh yes, thank you." And as soon as they took it, that's my book. If you have any questions. And then they, if she, they've got a question but they didn't buy, and this was so genius, I said, look, have some pictures made. If you're uncomfortable, tell them I'm making it. I look, my publicist is here. She's making me do this, you know, if you have to. But <laughs> do it. And as soon as they're holding the book and I'm making a picture, and wouldn't you know it, I'm such a bad photographer sometimes it would take me two or three times which was to give her a chance to get into more conversation with people and let them feel comfortable with her so the longer they held it and the more they talked to her it was their book and they knew her and she sold like gangbusters you know what i hear there relationship relationship you have just dropping all these Pearls of wisdom on us today, right? Relationship. So in anything, anything that we do, relationships matter. And that little bit of time that you've got there with with that bookmark while while you're trying to get the camera together, what's selling that book before they know anything about that book is your relationship. Right. And as I tell people, a smile says more in so many, a smile is bilingual, trilingual. It speaks every language. Right. And so when you can have that warmth that comes across and you also have a very good creative product, right? you mm-hmm. can't help but win, especially if you've teamed up and you've gotten some of this coaching. And why go it along when you can get somebody to do this leg of the work with you? Because many times writing, as we know, is an isolated kind of thing. I mean, you can go to workshops every now and again, but really when we get in that space, at least for myself, I'm generally alone, sitting in my space and kind of uh, in the zone. But to get out there and to promote it, we do need a team of some sort. So if you're going to a coaching group, you got to have somebody behind you who's kind of feeding you a little bit and keeping you hoisted up right? when you have mm-hmm. those moments. Thinking, what did I do this for? And then put my heart and soul in this. And knowing that if you don't give up, if you don't give up, if you avail yourself to some information, some technical skills that are not intuitive, I would tell you a lot of this stuff is not intuitive because you know, you don't know about making sure that you contact this person or you contact that person or like you said, that you plan so far in advance of the release of your book because people want, you know, everybody wants a new and shiny thing. And when you talked about how they bet on the, the Grishams, I, and I love, I love Grisham. Ah, really relaxes me. That's my vacation. Whatever he writes is my vacation book. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it makes sense it, as much as it hurts sometimes for new authors, of which I have been one, and is that you want them to take a bet on you, but they're putting their money on the sure thing because they know people are going to buy the John Grisham book. They're, they're going to buy it. And so they put, they're putting their money on the sure thing. And that makes sense for them. They're investing in their sure thing. Now, for us as, as independent authors, we've got to be willing to invest in ourselves. We are the sure thing. We've written a product which we're proud of and which we know will be a help or it, to somebody out there. So we've got to be willing to invest, when you say, in our in, in 
the learning and sometimes the capital because it does take a little something to get to the next oh, yes, level. It does. it does take some investment in oneself. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Even if you've got a yeah lemonade stand, you still got to have a stand and lemonade. You know, you can't just you got to put some money into it somewhere. <laughs> Unless you're my on. kids. <laughs> my kids had a lemonade stand this is a true story everybody they had a lemonade stand for which they were making pretty good money because the neighbors just thought they were so cute and so they were coming in the afternoon and they count up their profits and they were little kids and meanwhile sugar was just flying out the house you know everything's outside so I said well you know it's a hundred percent profit you got when you were stealing everything from the, from the kitchen lemons <laughs> 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 so I told him, he goes, I said, you know, I told my son, I said, you know, if this is a real business, you'd have to pay for all those. He goes, he goes I wouldn't pay anybody for any plastic cups. <laughs> I said, well, you have to be willing to invest in yourself. And then, you know, but, and it's funny now I'm looking back on it, but we're talking about, you know, the same thing about our business. You know, we said, well, I wouldn't pay anybody to do that for me to do this. You certainly do want to pay and invest in yourself. The more knowledge base you have saves a whole bunch because you only got to learn it once. Once you learn it, you know mm -hmm. it, right? And for the next right. book, it becomes easier and easier and easier because you're not going to be a one and done. You're probably going to write another book and another book after that. So it's really worth um, investing in and learning this. And so, and the fact that you do this as a group, this coaching as a group, I think is a big boon too because authors get to learn from other authors, right? Indeed, absolutely. And one of my rules with the group is everyone supports each other. So if it's on Twitter or something or um, Instagram or whatever, each one of them supports the other's page. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, get some traction on each other's page. One thing that I love you said too, Jennifer, was that um, when you are promoting, and one of the things that, I, that really attracts me to people is that when they're, when they're talking about other people's work, too, not just their own, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you mentioned earlier, you know, it can't just be me, 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 me all the time when you're when you're advertising because that gets old after a while. People are really drawn to people who have a more charitable spirit. So, you know, being oh, yeah. part of a group and saying you know, you're supporting somebody else and that helps people to look at you differently and say, oh, well, if you're that hospitable, you know, let me take a look at what your work is and, you know, this kind of collaboration mm -hmm. kind of Really, that energy really does produce more, bring more into your space. So let's talk a little bit about your entertainment publicity firm, Out the Lone Wolf Communication. I love that name, the Lone Wolf. <laughs> so let's talk about with the books. What else are you doing? Well, um, I do help. Wait just a minute. Could you repeat that question for me? So let's talk a little bit about the Lone Wolf Communication. Yeah. So the entertainment publicity firm, in addition to the books, what else are you doing there with the entertainment firm? Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, let's see. I also, um, instead of just publicizing books, musicians, um, get them, you know, of course the usual stuff, get them TV appearances, interviews, maybe get them in, um, into a magazine. Say if there's a, maybe they're not big enough to get a feature in a magazine like Musician's Friend, but there's a column where they ask different musicians, what do you like to use for this? How do you handle a problem? What's your favorite pedal? What's your favorite um, 
um, effect thing. And you can usually get people in something like that saying, look, my client, okay, you're not going to do a feature on him yet, although you will in the future, trust me. But um, I'd like, he's got an answer or she's got an answer for your question about what's your favorite special effects pedal for your guitar. And that kind of helps get them in there and gives them like a big, uh, a big media cred. So they could say, I was in, you know, Finnish Guitar or Musician's Friend. Um, another thing I began doing, because it was uh, uh, asked of me to help find somebody, now, is to get, and I'm trying to figure out how to put this, um, it's called a deal memo. And uh, the first one was an actor from a TV show. Actually, if you've ever seen Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, um, it just... Yeah, I think, I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Okay, one of the actors, Anthony Sharp, he plays one of Miss Fisher's um, uh, oh, what do you call it? drivers and assistant uh, detective. So she's a lady detective in the 1920s and a flapper. Well, he plays one of her assistants and a driver. Um, but he's done some other films and stuff, and been and he's a musician, so he needed to get a visa to be able to work on a film take a part in America. So I helped him create a deal memo uh, wow. where I research and find places for him to play, and then I can attest that my company has done that. And then there's also another um, actress in Australia um, who's done a lot of television work and some film, and she's a DJ, and so she needed the same thing, so I helped her. And really, I never set out to do that. Um, I was trying to get somebody else to do it, a guy that had produced... Um, uh, that was a guest on my show that had produced a lot of uh, rap or hip-hop groups um, like Ying Yang Twins and, and some early Pitbull stuff. We were going to get him to do it. I said, look, I can't do it, but I'm sure this guy can. And then he was said, okay, I will, but he was so busy. He didn't have time to do it, and we needed to hurry, so I thought, well, I can learn this. So I did. Oh, there you go again. Courageous. <laughs> Because I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell this guy no because I thought this is an actor I watch on television and he's asking me to help him, and there's no way, you know, if he thinks I can do it, he trusts me. There's no way I'm going to tell him no. So um, I'll just figure out how to do it. Come on, Doctor James, you do the same thing. Oh, I, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, and you know, and I throw my heart and soul in it, and I say, Sugar, you're my first one, but let's give it a whirl. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. sure it was tremendous. I'm sure that it was tremendous because what we do from the heart, and here's the thing too, when you do something for somebody else, I don't know if you're this way, I definitely am. I could be afraid to do it for myself, but once I start doing it for you, then the fear just goes away. I don't know what that's all about, but I just feel like, oh, okay, I'll, let's do this. And, and then let's do this and let's do that. Some part of this giving nature is like you, you give and you remove, it removes the fear from you. You know, once you start giving, and I, that's the beautiful thing about the universe, too. If we would See, it's like you, give it's like more. you're my sister from another mister. <laughs> <laughs> right, so if you're willing to give more, the universe gives us more. So it gives you more courage, it gives you more experience. And I wanted to say it, because I, I, I knew, I didn't say this in your bio, but I knew that you also work with actors and actresses and all that's part of the entertainment publicity. And so I know we have a number of right. Uh, creatives who are in that line of work who listen to the show as well. So I, I want, we're just about seven minutes in, but before we end our show, I definitely want you to uh, let people know how they can connect with you. What's the best way? And so far, we know we're talking to 
authors, people who are writing, and people who are musicians, and people who are acting. Now, do you work with live theater, too, as well as television and film? Yes. Um, if you want to, um, I'm sorry, I'm so, I apologize, the sound's kind of dropping out on me a little bit. Are you working with, with actors who are in live theater yes. as well as t TV and film? Um, a few, not a lot, but a, a little bit. So, yeah. I, yeah, I would suppose I mostly in the Georgia area, you have more TV and film. I'm closer to the New York area, so we have a lot of theater. Here. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, here definitely more TV and film than than that. Yeah, a little th we do have some theater, but not, not nearly, um, not even a fraction, you know, what you have there. But, right, yeah. Yeah, and... And if, if I could just say one thing, too, I've got a coaching group coming up. I'm going to start another group soon. If you want to get in touch with me, anybody that wants to get involved, believe me, my last group is Joe Spraga, um, Andrea Walker, Julie Campbell, Becky Kyle. And then I picked up a client and I added her into some of the things, Rachel Ann Cox, who's great. Um, and the things that they have done with this, just a little bit of information I've given them, uh, has just astounded me. Uh, especially Walker and Spraga. I mean, they just they just take what I said like gospel and ran with it. And I'm so I get so excited for them. Uh, but you can go, you can find Lone Wolf Communications on Facebook. You can find it on Twitter. Or you can find Lone Wolf Jen. That's Lone Wolf J E N N on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jennifer Perry, and. Let me know that you're interested in the next group because all, all I have to do is have just, you know, a group of four, three or four people because we want to keep it close so that everybody has a chance to ask any questions they want. So keep a nice little close group and we all support each other. And so you can reach me like that or uh, my email is jperry, J-P-E-R-R-Y at lonewolfcom, that's C-O-M-M dot net. And if I may say, you know, yeah, Sell Your Books Today is supposed to be a nice DIY guide to get you started with some of the things that a publicist would do for you. And you can get it on smashwords.com. It is uh, $4.99, but if you're a listener of Drayvon James, you can go to Smashwords and you've got a coupon code of kz 6 Two or six cm, and that will get you discount just because Drayvon James sent you. Oh, now isn't that a wonderful surprise? I just want to make sure I got that. It's K like kangaroo, C like Charlie, six. Oh, hold, Z hold, like hold on now. Let me let me look at it again just to make sure I've got it right. Okay. <laughs> um, it is K like kangaroo. Z like zebra. Okay. Uh, number six and number two. And M as in many books you're going to sell. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, and to get the book for free, thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful offer to our listeners of the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Trayvon James. I'm sure people will really take advantage of that because. I cannot say enough how important it is to have a tool and also to have a friend. I, I feel when, when you 
we're talking like this, you and I, and I've been on your show before. And Jennifer is a wonderful person. Just she's not, she knows a lot about the industry, but she's not industry like, if you know what I mean. You know, so it's very warm, it's very honest, it's very wholesome. It's just a wonderful experience. So if there's someone to help guide you to your next level of greatness and what creative arts that you're in, I truly think. Jennifer Perry is the person to do that and look at both communications. So that is my plug on that. Really, we have about two minutes left, and one thing we didn't talk about was the Madam Perry Salon and Salon. Yeah. And that is your your podcast that you do, which is fabulous. And um, tell us a little bit about. We have about two minutes, but I love uh, the whole concept of your podcast. Okay, well, salon, the salon uh, comes from, you know, back in centuries past, there would be a, in Europe or somewhere in England, there'd be a patroness of the arts, and she would invite, and she would have what she called a salon, meaning she'd have musicians, authors, painters, um, thought leaders of the day gather in her home in that salon for once a week just to share ideas with works in progress. And I wish that could be me, but I'm not a wealthy lady in Europe back then, but I'm a woman with uh, access to the Internet today. And so my salon is in the Internet, in the cyber world. And one of the first guests went back after and said, hey, I've been to Madame Perry's salon. It's like the inside of Jeannie's bottle. So, you know, sometimes you come in, I'll say sit down, find a fluffy cushion. Oh, we're going to have to close with that. I hear them coming on. Where is the take okay. the Adam Perry Salon? It's like the inside of a genie's bottle. Please Google that. Please come back next Monday where we'll have another fabulous guest here on the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James. I absolutely love you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.